You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm Because not everyone's last name is Gates. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. Your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Good afternoon, everybody, and good morning to all of our friends on the West Coast. I'm Dave Hutchinson, Senior Vice President of Business Development and Marketing Operations for Program Partners, and your host for today's live broadcast of AdTech Connect Radio. Today's show is actually produced with an eye toward the upcoming New York show, taking place in Manhattan, of course, November 6th, 7th, and 8th at the New York Hilton. And hey, by the way, if you haven't done so already, please be sure and register for the show by going to the adtech.com website. That's ad-tech.com. Today's topic will be looking at the latest trends in email marketing, which of course happens to be one of the many topics featured uh, during this year's New York show. Joining us on the program will be Jeannie Mullen, partner and senior director of email marketing for Ogilvy One Worldwide, alongside Paul Beck, senior partner and executive director of interactive marketing and advertising for Ogilvy Interactive. Followed by Jeannie and Paul will be Stefan Tornquist, director of research at Marketing Sherpa. We'll talk with Jeannie, Paul, and Stefan after these brief commercial messages, so don't go away. Sit tight and don't move. Add Tech Connect. We'll be right back. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, TextLinkAds.com. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort Radiator host bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. Want a hot pod? Load it with WebmasterRadio.fm and play with us all day long. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Okay, we're back. I'm Dave Hutchinson, and this is a special sneak preview of the upcoming AdTech show in New York on AdTech Connect Radio. Our first guests are Jeannie Mullen and Paul Beck from Ogilvy One and Ogilvy Interactive. Jeannie is a partner and senior director of email marketing at Ogilvy One Worldwide, a global leader in customer relationship management and interactive marketing. She is also the co-founder of the Email Experience Council, the world's leading authority on email marketing. 
Before joining Ogilvy One, Jeannie founded and ran her own interactive agency. Before that, she served as the CMO and EVP at Avalon Digital Marketing Systems, where she helped launch one of the first B2B email platforms that incorporated on-demand video into the email message. Jeannie is recognized in the industry as pioneering the first international email marketing practice inside a global agency while at Gray Direct. Joining Jeannie uh, is Paul Beck, Senior Partner and Executive Director of Interactive Marketing and Advertising at Ogilvy Interactive. Prior to Ogilvy, Paul led the programs, strategy, delivery, and partnership development of rewards-based partner marketing programs for Affinity Solutions, a leading Affinity-based marketing company. Before joining Affinity, Paul was Vice President for Bigfoot Interactive, a leading provider of email communication strategy and deployment solutions. While there, he led the development of a vertical team approach, which helped Bigfoot establish its market leadership in specific industries, including financial services, telecommunications, automotive, travel, and entertainment. Thanks, guys, for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great. Sounds good, coming through loud and clear. Um, first of all, I just I got to ask you, uh, it sounds like you guys work for a large agency or something. One of you give us a little uh, context on how you guys work together and what the latest uh, strata or uh, uh, structure is of Ogilvy in this regard. Sure. Uh, I can start. Uh, at Ogilvy One, there are a few different divisions, and one of them is the consulting division focused on providing expertise in niche areas of marketing and demand generation like email marketing. So I was brought in a couple years ago to help establish an email marketing and digital dialogue offering for our consumers, something that could be integrated very well with interactive but could also be used as a standalone tactic for clients that wanted it. And I think that looking at the Ogilvy client base and just all of the clients that are out there today, Forrester statistics show that 95% of every company is doing some type of email marketing or utilizing email for their marketing efforts. So there was definitely a need from an Ogilvy standpoint to create an expertise in that area. My group works extremely closely with Paul's group to make sure that whatever strategies and communications are pulled together from a digital dialogue standpoint, that they have seamless integration um, and optimization capabilities and characteristics with what's happening on an interactive standpoint. And uh, Ogilvy Interactive actually works across Ogilvy and Mather and Ogilvy One to provide uh, continuity uh, with regard to uh, digital um, solutions. And then whether it's through brand advertising or the direct, uh, we support um, uh, basically the top of the sales funnel to the bottom of the sales funnel. Uh, Jeannie and I integrate uh, very tightly in terms of how we present a total sort of uh, customer-centric view of what the digital experience would be. Uh, we both firmly believe that um, email, among other things, is a digital backbone of communication, so it makes absolute sense that in a total sort of uh, customer experience relative to digital, you should consider email because uh, most people actually consider it part of the, uh, the product offering of most brands. Well, absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I don't know who said it or if they were the only ones who said it, but years ago, you know, email was kind of heralded as the killer app of the uh, sort of new information age. And, you know, fast forward 10 years later to uh, to present day, and it's kind of a funny animal in that it's kind of uh, so familiar and so old news that um, everybody kind of knows it. On the other hand, it's always going through uh, uh, improvements and, and, and advances and best practices and so forth. Um, how have uh, marketers' perceptions in general uh, change regarding just the, you know, the good old use of email, uh, just say, over the last uh, 9 to 12 months? <laughs> 
That's a great question. I think what we've seen is that exactly what you've said. Email has continued to go through a, a metamorphosis of, of some kinds. It started out as the killer app, moved to being considered quite a bit as spam and, and nothing good, everything bad, and has now evolved into something that's become much more stable and much more critical to the foundation of marketers' efforts in general from both a branding and a demand generation standpoint, email has recently evolved over the last 9 to 12 months as the digital backbone for communications with customers. As we look at the world, the marketing world today, we see that customers have moved from a, a push environment where they're used to seeing TV commercials or reading print ads and having information shared with them to more of a lifestyle pool environment where they're choosing how they interact with media based on their lifestyle, whether it's listening to podcasts or whether it's looking at advertisements on subways or you know sitting down and reading the paper once in a while. But it's their choice now. And when you look at all of the digital elements that have been created to support customer choice, whether it's an SMS, whether it's a desktop tool, whether it's an RSS feed, whether it's email, whether it's a social network or community, what's behind all of those is, is email acting as the foundation or kind of the backbone for all of these digital communication channels. That, and I think if you look at the world today, even if you have a social network or a blog or a community site, the way that people know that people have responded to the blog, that people have posted to it, that people are being invited to it, or the way that they engage people in it is through using email. So email is taking on a, a completely different role, and I think marketers are just realizing that and getting used to harnessing the power of email in its new role. One of the other um, facts that uh, it's, it's both fortunate and unfortunate is actually the cost of email because it is a relatively inexpensive channel to deploy, it's sometimes difficult for companies to understand that they need to invest substantially in it to actually make it what it needs to be. You know, case in point, we know that um, approximately 3% of marketing budgets only are spent on email, yet um, email is one of the most widely used channels of all channels, and it's not necessarily taken as seriously by an organization as, say, other marketing channels that tend to be more expensive are and from an investment standpoint, as well as from establishing um, continuity and best practices. So, unfortunately, because it has been relatively, you know, low in terms of cost of deployment, et cetera, um, it doesn't necessarily make it to the top in terms of the marketing budget. What that, what that impacts is the fact that you may have, you know, six or seven different types of emails that are coming out of a particular company, all of which are managed by a separate group of people. So the brand experience from the person on the, on the inside of the inbox, the actual uh, the receiver of the email, could be receiving, you know, basically numerous types of experiences, and the opportunity for the brand to deliver on its promise can be ruined by any one of those. So what we're starting to see from a trend standpoint is companies are starting to recognize that, and they're also starting to, based on what Jeannie said, of this sort of digital backbone, we're starting to see that <clears throat> companies are organizing themselves not only as, as like an e-group or e-marketing group, but as an alternative channels group. So you'll see the same group who handles email may also be handling mobile as well, as well as desktop applications, as well as RSS feeds and other alternative channels. And again, all of which require a database, all of which require permission, all of which require some type of um, you know, um, legal and perception issues on the back end. So why not layer them on top of each other, put an extra field in your database for each one of the new um, channels that come out, and you basically have a, an organization in place to be able to manage it appropriately. Golly, that sounds like stuff the client should be doing themselves in-house. Yes. <laughs> um, so, 
So where do you guys come in? <laughs> well, I think when you, when you look at email and the way that email marketing has historically been handled by advertising agencies, it's been done on a campaign-by-campaign basis. Right. The person who's trying to sell the XYZ product for their company has a certain budget to sell that product, and so emails are built specifically around the product. What's we've been negligent of is looking at the entire enterprise and realizing that an email going out to a customer that has opted in to a company that has multiple products needs to speak to their relationship with that global company and not just the relationship with a product. So where we come in, in most cases these days, is at the corporate or enterprise level. So we can actually take a look at what some of the key elements for an effective email marketing campaign are that the entire enterprise can leverage and benefit from, such as the the way that somebody's opting in to one or more types of email campaigns or products or types of, of messaging strategies, the way that the data from email campaigns is being made married to what's happening on the website so the website can have more of a dynamic experience moving forward and that there can really be an impact being made even if you don't come in through the email but come back to the website at a later date. And those are areas that, you know, as Paul mentioned before, have been not really funded or supported very well because their impact hasn't been realized by a lot of the executives in, in these large companies. And now it's coming out that email is so impactful and that it's, it's much more than a tactic or, you know, a, a free way to get a message out at the end of at the end of all other initiatives that people are realizing that an investment up front can can create you know huge returns on the back end for years to come. And as and as clients start to uh, sort of delve into that realm and try to understand as some of the other channels diminish in terms of their ability to um, deliver as they did in the past, email is looked to because it's well established and you may have fifty million people email addresses that or fifty million emails that go out in a week's time to your customer base. So we have clients that come to us who currently don't do acquisition, as an example. And so they come to us to say, like, how do we even get into this space? What do we have to do? What do we have to think about? What are the best practices? And because we at Ogilvy cover all across um, all aspects, even service and so on and so forth, we help them to establish programs to begin with. We help them to optimize programs. Also, we, we, we really focus on being subject matter experts. And what's interesting is one of the things we noticed from the Ogilvy standpoint um, Jeannie and I noticed that there was a, a big gap in the marketplace in terms of there being a sort of governing body um, or, or agnostic uh, group of people that uh, focused on the end-to-end customer experience of email. There are certainly groups who are focusing on legislation. There are certainly groups that are focusing on things like deliverability, but there was nobody who was focusing on an end-to-end sort of approach to the email experience. So um, working with a lot of uh, our clients and a lot of um, our partners from the technology and consulting perspective, we formed the Email Experience Council, which has actually grown to an incredible rate uh, at an incredible rate this year, um, and it is inclusive of many, many clients, both Ogilvy and non-Ogilvy clients. And what is the most interesting element to me is that we have established these what we call roundtables. The roundtables are where we we have breakout sessions. People volunteer to participate in trying to solve problems. We have one which is almost exclusively client-led. It's no no technology companies, no agencies. It's purely big brands. You're talking about like. Cisco and American Express and IBM and Hewlett Packard and Unilever, and these folks get together and for them to have access to each other who are facing the same issues, but on literally where the rubber meets the road, is an actually incredible experience to listen to them talk. They are sharing so many great insights. We are hoping to gather from that insights that we can then share in terms of establishing best practices. As an example, how do you get the C-suite to take email seriously? Well, that's not something an agency is going to solve. 
that's going to be solved at the actual client level. So having these folks together working on those issues may actually help to solve those issues. And, Paul, that's a great point. I think what we've seen from that, just to add, you know, more fodder to the question that you had asked previously, is, you know, from that, when we, when we open up these sessions to other clients to listen to it, we receive a huge, a huge response because part of the email council is about building a community, and we found that when a client who's about to face a challenge similar to one that's already been attacked and either successfully, um, you know, gained results or who's failed miserably, just to be able to hear what that person did, how they approached it, and the learnings from that is, is a huge benefit for those customers and clients who want to take their email efforts and, and kind of, um, you know, own them in-house. For marketers and vendors and interactive agencies, listening to the realities of how email is positioned and what is impactful, is it really about cost? Is it about quality? Is it about technical resources? Is something that a lot of times we tend to forget or we tend to lose sight of what's actually happening inside these, these larger enterprise companies that really, you know, sets the stage for how well people can take these best practices and suggestions and standards and tips and apply them into their environment. Uh, that's really exciting. Now, when was that uh, formed, this uh, Email Experience Council? It was actually May of this year, and uh, emailexperience.org is our, is our URL. And okay. uh, we have uh, three three ways of participating with the group, either as a subscriber where you'd go in and you'd, you know, subscribe to the content that we have, or as members where you pay to participate, or as sponsors. And we have some great, um, we have some great brands and some, some great partners uh, involved in sponsorship. So together, we're actually uh, trying to create standards, whether it be around metrics, um, whether it be around, um, you know, solving, you know, end-to-end sort of issues, uh, bringing to bear new technologies, new techniques, uh, you know, example, heat mapping and things like that into the environment. Like, how do, how do we deal with these things? How do we test them? How do we pilot them? Um, one of the first initiatives, interestingly enough, that we deployed was uh, we did a bunch of research and, and, and all the, the things that we've been reading for the past five months, we had noticed that the word email was spelled multiple ways. So we did a bunch of research. We, uh, we did a lot of surveying, uh, very large numbers of folks, and we, we, we created a standard based on um, the results that we'd like to, we'd like to spend, spell the word email with no hyphen. Uh, and we actually did some additional research uh, about sort of the evolution of words. We put it out there, and interestingly enough, of all the, of all the information, we've put in a lot of great insights in all the um, newsletters and, uh, and stuff that we do. The one that got the most response was that one, believe it or not. This is probably the simplest one. We got such a thank you for people. <laughs> is it a hyphen? Is it a capital M? Whatever. But that's it's only the beginning. Website, of the you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> I was going to remind me of a website. I think the jury's still out on how do you spell website. Exactly. Right? exactly. Well, <laughs> one, one of the, some of the responses we got were, were people who actually sent us a list of additional words they'd like us to set standards on that have nothing to do with marketing <laughs> <No>. <laughs> at all. One of them was healthcare. And we just... <laughs> Um, you know, you have to laugh, but but it really did demonstrate that people are extremely passionate about email and email marketing, and they really feel like there's this critical need in the industry right now to put some standards and definitions around what it is so we can make it, you know, a, a realistically definable channel. Because if you look at web standards or ad banner standards or anything like that, it, they're very specific down to sizes, file sizes, and um, you know, the way that metrics are tracked, but in email, it, it's really been kind of a, a free-for-all up until 
up until now. And so a lot of companies, in addition to the Email Experience Council, we've received a lot of requests for partnership and support from other trade organizations that are out there like the ESPC and the DMA and the IAB so that we can all kind of come together and form a united front and really make a difference around the way that email is impacting marketers and clients and build something that's, that's very reputable and reliable and makes a difference in, in what we're trying to do. Well, that's exciting. And you're describing that council really has a cross-section, including, dare I say, engineers or the tech community, in addition to the executive level uh, uh, on the client side. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about it is um, about 60% of the members are on the agency, vendor, interactive consultant side. About 40% are actually clients. And it's it's great to have that mix. And the client participation and the vendor and agency participation range from all job levels, from the techie to the web designer to the strategist to the um, person doing the analytics. And when we have roundtable calls, there are just these passionately driven conversations about people who have specific beliefs and, and want to see them to be proven out one way or another. So it's, it's very exciting and, and invigorating for those of us who work in large agencies or work with multiple clients to see that there are so many people out there that, that care about this and, and make it such a personal, uh, you know, such a, a personal goal of theirs to make it better. No, that's exciting, and I assume uh, during your uh, panel uh, discussions at AdTech, um, you'll be talking about the council, and um, and I don't know if the council's sort of been formally presented or uh, or kind of showcased at any uh, of uh, today's marketing conferences. Yeah, we will be definitely talking about the council, and um, we'll be giving some insights and inputs from from the council. Mm-hmm. The official um, the. The design of the email council actually came out of a series of customer-led panels at Media Post's e- Email Insider Summit that was held in May, and, and that's really, really where the, the idea came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, since then, we've been asked to speak at, at quite a number of events, but it, it's very exciting, and I think what's the most exciting piece, are the council has gotten so big without us doing any marketing efforts, just through word of mouth, that when there are events like ad tech, we actually have a lot of fun going back and looking at our members and subscribers who are speaking at the event and showing the collective power uh, that the council has. So I think at AdTech already there's probably about six or seven of the speakers are members of the Email Experience Council, and that, that makes a pretty big statement in itself. Excellent. Good. Because I know a lot of what AdTech is about is trying to help support that kind of center of gravity, getting all the right people in the right room under the right tent kind of thing. Right. That's good. So back down to where the rubber sort of uh, is closer to meeting the road. Um, What are uh, some of the things that uh, marketers and and, uh, agencies uh, can do to prepare for effective email campaigns inside their own company today? I mean, certainly there are challenges and uh, uh, examples like the council are helping kind of remedy some of those challenges. But what are some takeaways for the folks here on today's call uh, in our audience who can uh, maybe take some of your sage advice and uh, take it back to their management? Sure. Okay. Well, you know, I would say that you need to look at your email marketing efforts among three different channels or three different aspects. The first one is your global or enterprise efforts, and these are really critical components, as I mentioned before. 
things relating to the way that you get people to opt in, new subscribers, and how they opt into your database, and the experience behind that. I think industry statistics all around and, and some Ogilvy research that we've done clearly indicate that the first three emails that a person receives when they opt into your program are the most critical, and that actually determines the value and the extent that they'll be active from an email standpoint with your organization. So if you don't have an appropriate welcome email set up that sets expectations, gives people information about what they should look forward to, and identifies you know, what they can expect, then you're, you're really at a disadvantage. So the first suggestion is to take a look at that from an enterprise standpoint, and that is something that doesn't belong to any specific program or product. It belongs to the company holistically. And the better handle you can get around that process, the more success you'll have with your email addresses down the road. The second way that we recommend people look at emails is at the campaign level. And and that's what most of us are, are used to looking at emails for, but actually um, recommending testing around two areas, subject lines, which seems kind of basic, but is something that has a lot of power, and then um, dynamic content. And from a subject line standpoint, what we've seen are people that can figure out the successful metric or the successful rules for creating a subject line will see results that are 30 to 40% higher than their competitors. And again, with 95% of companies in existence in North America sending emails as part of their marketing strategy, there's a lot of competition in the inbox. So it is up to each one of us to take a very close view at how we're making that first impression when an email is received, what the subject line says, how it sets up the brand, how it supports the brand, and how it identifies what the value is inside the email so we get people to become engaged. And once they're engaged, dynamic content, I think, is a huge opportunity that uh, nobody's taking advantage of. Dynamic content capabilities from a technical standpoint have been around for at least five years. But I think latest statistics I've seen from a DMA report in the U.K. show that, you know, still it's less than 13% of marketers who use dynamic content or personalization outside of first and last name. And there's tremendous results to be seen when you can actually pull in the last time we emailed you was or thanks for your purchase of X so that you can actually have a conversation instead of just a marketing blast. And then the third level, which seems tactical, um, is down at the you know nuts and bolts area, which is around deliverability. And it seems like a tactical, non-sexy type of thing that you need to pay attention to. Um, It's become pretty clear that every good marketer has to do some deliverability testing to make sure that their emails are being delivered. However, I don't think people yet have realized the impact that deliverability has on their campaigns. We just finished an internal study here at Ogilvy that showed emails that have over 90% inbox deliverability tend to get two times the click-through rate response than those emails that, you know, have 60 to 80% deliverability to the inbox. So they still may be delivered, but ISPs may put them in the bulk folder, and it seems like not a big deal, but it's significantly hampering results. And when you look at it that way, deliverability becomes much more than a nuts-and-bolts tactic and actually becomes part of a strategy. Also, wow. speaking of strategy, which is which is also important, is to look at the, what the experience is to your end consumer. Understand what the impact of email is on your brand. And if you do have multiple types of emails coming out of 
one organization, don't just focus on the, you know, the newsletters as being the best practices established and so on and so forth. Look at your service emails as an opportunity for you to create a much more, you know, um, cohesive, unique, and appropriate experience for your for your um, for your customers. Uh, I think it's really important that people understand that it's the total number of emails that come out of a company that help to basically set the tone and tenor for how that person perceives the company, not just the sexy ones that are all pictured and so on and so forth. It's also the very technical ones that may follow up and say, we've received something or here is your follow-up uh, you know, information for your trip or so on. All those that seem text-based are as important as all the other ones that we spend a lot of time creating. That's excellent, uh, and I'm afraid we're out of time. But uh, Paul, uh, Jeannie, just great, great stuff. Uh, Jeannie, you're going to be uh, at AdTech in New York uh, yes. uh, on a panel about uh, advances in email and the future of email marketing. And uh, boy, I could go on with this interview for another 10 minutes at least. <laughs> but we're out of time, as I said. Uh, coming up next is uh, Stephen Torquist from uh, Marketing Sherpa, uh, who will also be uh, on your panel, Jeannie, I believe. Yes. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, Stephen after these commercial messages. Thanks. Sit tight and don't move. AdTech Connect. We'll be right back. Cyberspace, the final frontier. These are the voyages of your new business enterprise. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new domains, to seek out new sites and new monetizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. WebmasterRadio.fm. So logical. You'll go out of your Vulcan mind. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Best of the Web, the Internet's oldest directory, EOTW.org, since 1994. Our editors scour the web finding quality sites, providing users with spam-free resources, relevant information from valuable sites. Submit your site now for a guaranteed review in three days or less. For webmasters needing additional exposure, check out our 60-day free trial on category sponsorships. 60 days free advertising. No shame. And don't forget the Best of the Web's reseller program with the industry's highest commissions, 25% recurring commission on all products and services. Bloggers, make sure to check out the BOTW blog directory and the recently launched volunteer editor program to help build the best blog resource on the web. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Okay, we're back. I'm Dave Hutchinson, and this is a special sneak preview of the upcoming AdTech show in New York on AdTech Connect Radio. Joining us on the program, Stefan Tornquist, Director of Research at Marketing Sherpa. Um, before joining Marketing Sherpa, Stefan co-founded Blue Streak, the rich media pioneer that has grown to become one of the industry's preeminent marketing technology and services companies. He has also co-founded and ran marketing for technology startups, Ninth Square Inc., and Waterworks. Welcome, Stefan. Hi, how are you? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thanks for being here. Oh, my um, pleasure. Did you have a chance to listen to some of our, uh, our previous segment? I did. I caught about half of the previous segment, and so I'm... It, it cut out a lot of my quality content because Jeannie's so on top of things. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. I, I'm sure you have no shortage of uh, of comments and uh, sage uh, wisdom and advice. I, I was curious, though, about the email uh, experience council. I, uh, for one, was not familiar with it, but I don't get out very much. So uh, <laughs> I was curious about some of your uh, uh, thoughts and uh, take on that and if you're actually part of that uh, growing circle of the council. 
Uh, we are, and I actually had the pleasure of joining one of their calls with the uh, with the client group, with their client working group, and it was really fascinating to uh, to listen to what these really elite marketers are thinking and saying about email. Um, I think the the experience council is a great idea, and uh, and it's high time. There are other organizations around email, but I like one that has a very uh, feet on the street and uh, both a strategic and a tactical focus without ignoring either one. It's interesting because clearly there's sort of uh, you know cultural, operational, organizational challenges that I'm sure uh, all the participants in that council will have to work out. Um, you know, golly, I, I, I bet things like spam still come up from time to time, and the the problems and challenges around spam is that still uh, sort of a, a key issue, or is that just one of many? Well, you know, if you asked somebody on the street to, you know, what their first thought would be about commercial email, they might still answer spam. But when you dig into it, there's some encouraging news. For one thing, we know on the, on the technical side, we know that less spam is actually getting through. Um, now, of course, that has its, its side effects, and we'll talk about that, I suppose. But yeah. the, the good news is that the longer people have been using email and experiencing spam, it's really having less and less of an impact on the way they use email and on their daily lives. Uh, the, the Pew Institute has done a longitudinal right. study of how of how people uh, use the Internet based on different factors, and spam is one of those. And whereas a few years ago, something like 75% of people were saying, you know, spam makes me use the Internet less, it makes me use email less. Nowadays, that's down to right around 50%, and I'd expect to see that continue to drop. So with familiarity, well, I guess it breeds comfort in this case. Huh. Interesting. Um, you know, it's funny talking to our, our, our previous guests, uh, Jeannie and, and, and Paul, um, and love to hear your thoughts, obviously. I mean, the email sort of in, in Internet time seems to be as old as the hills, um, and, uh, and, but is, of course, you know, vital, um, but almost uh, in, in some cases, uh, and part of its challenge, almost a, a background medium for a lot of people, certainly at the sea level. Is there anything kind of, you know, new or surprising about email that's kind of jumping out at us that, that, that you might want to share? Well, a lot of the research we've done over the last year into email has shown just how radically different email is for basically two groups of marketers. Um, if you want to think about the first group as the, the, the people who approach email in the way that, say, Ogilvy does, you heard a lot about that in the first segment, that kind of approach that really emphasizes two-way communication, more on the house email side rather than acquisition, um, doing simple things like segmentation and advanced things like sort of dynamic content, those people know and are seeing just tremendous results out of email. You know, there's no other medium like it. Um, sure, it's, you know, it is kind of the, the tested and true. It's not sexy. It's not search marketing. It doesn't get those kinds of dollars. But it's really very unique in its capability of being two-way. And it's just about as ubiquitous as anything. It's, you know, after web surfing, email's right there as the, the number two activity we do online. And, uh, and so those marketers get that and are taking advantage of it, and they get really great ROI and response from it. Unfortunately, there's the second group, which is much larger, that is, uh, and, and these are the folks that when I survey them, they say, well, you know, email isn't responding as well. I'm seeing lower click rates. Well, sure you are, because you're sending the same thing to your entire list. You're probably sending it too often, and you're not getting much feedback from your list about what matters to them and what doesn't. And that's one of those places where email kind of suffers for being as inexpensive as it is. Now, you know, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, just the um, one very clear uh, 
message about how good email is as an ROI tool, we recently did a very large survey of search marketers, almost 4,000 of them. And one of the things we wanted to get at was, you know, how does the ROI of different tactics compare? And even though we were looking principally at search and SEO, paid, and so forth, we also put in house email, public relations, direct mail, and a number of other tactics. And wouldn't you know it, house email came in right uh, alongside SEO as the top ROI tactic for those marketers. And these are people who are obsessed with search. Uh, so I think that's a, you know, it's a clearly shows how powerful this tactic is. And when we looked at how lead generation versus sort of direct product marketers were rating it, uh, the, the lead gen folks especially gave it a high rating because they're dealing with you know, longer sales cycles, uh, more constituents in the sales process, and email's really the best tool to deal with all of that. You know, it's funny, in the, in the uh, previous segment, um, I couldn't help but sort of uh, slightly poke fun at our, our, our agency friends because they are, you know, agencies, and agencies certainly are coming a long way and becoming, I think, uh, you know, more flexible and adaptive. But, um, you know, a lot of what, um, you know, I'm sure comes up in the council and uh, what Ogilvy had touched on as well and, uh, and, and seems to be becoming self-evident is uh, there are a lot of moving parts. And to kind of do this right, uh, more and more responsibility has to fall to the client. Uh, as it were, and by the way, advances in technology are allowing uh, more of this responsibility to uh, to fall to the client. Um, is there a trend, you know, from Sherpa's perspective, uh, in terms of a lot more of this stuff kind of migrating more in-house, or are people still outsourcing parts or all of their email and their campaigns? Yeah, emphasizing parts of their email because I, the the trend is sort of both and neither. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a good economy. Um, people are increasing the size of their marketing staff, and typically what we see in those phases is the desire to bring things in-house. You certainly see that in search marketing. Um, and, and you do as well in, on the email side. Um, but at the same time, most in-house programs can't do everything that the ESPs can, on uh, the email service providers can, on a technology level. So very often there's a mix. Plus, you're dealing with a, it's a fickle world because it's so commoditized. Um, and so we see a lot of migration from one vendor to another having, or having simultaneous vendors sort of competing for business. And in some cases, ESPs who use vendors sort of for specialty tasks, like some retailers will turn their, their holiday programs over to their ESP uh, while managing their sort of yearly month-in, month-out email communications in-house. So it's, um, it's a topsy-turvy world. And, yeah, uh, you know, okay. I, uh, you, you know, you you mentioned the agencies. The it's folks like Ogilvy are not the average. You know, I don't mean to to tout my uh, uh, you know panel mate uh, Jeannie there, but not every organization gets email to the extent that they do. And you know, there's a big difference between the elite ASPs who are dealing with email every day, and you know, a lot of agencies where email is just you know just another tactic, hmm. and, and on not the sort one of... with, with a lot of media cost associated with it. Right. Um, you know, for, for, for many years, you know, uh, it was kind of common practice to, uh, you know, try to build your own list, but also, you know, rent lists or buy lists from third-party vendors. Is that still uh, part of the mix, or is that kind of waning uh, as we get more and more focused with our communications? Well, you know, I wish it would. Um, <laughs> in B2B, it's, it's still operating fairly effectively and certainly much better than the business-to-consumer world. Uh, this is another area where the, the 
inexpense of some email lists is really uh, a, a drag on the industry as a whole. Um, you truly get what you pay for in the email list world, and uh, this is a case where when we dissect the, the folks that respond to our surveys, we see that the, those that are giving acquisition email, even a passing grade, are typically paying you know, five or ten times the CPM that the folks who say, oh, well, this isn't working. Well, yeah, you're paying, what, a dollar CPM for, <laughs> you know, for you know, a million scuba divers in Kansas. I'm shocked that it's not working. Uh, what, you know, what we do find is that most of the growth of house lists these days isn't coming from acquisition email. It's coming from website experiences. Right. And, and just talk a little bit about that because, I mean, websites, as we've uh, come to know and love them, have really matured. I mean, I guess sort of just our modern times, you know, growth and improvement becomes almost exponential in, in some ways. Um, you know, there's eye-tracking research. There's, uh, you know, all kinds of back-end analytic engines on, um, uh, you know, click-through and, and traffic patterns and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about some of those modern advances, and are they still kind of nifty laboratory-centric things, or are they kind of hitting the street? Um, I, well, I do think that they're hitting the street. I mean, we did eye-tracking research on email last year, and we've been hearing a lot more about marketers giving that a try. Um, you know, going back to your the first part of your question about the, the website experience, the, the one caveat I would say to that is that email does often get forgotten in, in the design and implementation of, of new websites. And, uh, you know, we did, a, we did an observational study of business-to-business -business sites looking at their email acquisition strategies within their own website. And I'm going to say something like 40% didn't have uh, an email capture form on their homepage. Uh, and it, it is those little things that make all of the difference. I mean, I think anyone who's been mar around marketing long enough knows that the strategy is important, but it's really where the implementation happens that makes the difference between a campaign that had a 2% conversion rate and one that had a 3.5% conversion rate. Uh, you know, was it a program that was easy to use and compelling? And so we do see email uh, you know, sort of suffer at the hands of innovation sometimes because you know, mm -hmm. people are much more concerned with, you know, is this site optimized well for search? You know, do we, um, is our internal search capability sufficient? You know, are we taking up too much space with these form fields? And then the, the email component gets moved back in the website, and, uh, and we feel that that's a really big mistake because your house list is just such an incredible, uh, an incredible tool. But... Uh, <laughs> Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, in the house list, because you're saying, you know, house email, this is just stuff that, that's cultivated uh, in mind in-house. I mean, there's literally no third parties, no renting lists. This is just whatever the company can kind of uh, mature within their own four walls. That's exactly right. I mean, okay. and they may have gotten it through acquisition email, although it's, that's increasingly unlikely. But, yeah, these are the folks who, who have opted in to their, to their list. Uh, you know, they're, they're sort of the third group of people who have come in vers with co-registration. Mm -hmm. um, that is to say, they've signed up for an email on a running shoe website, and meanwhile, they they opted in, or at least got opted in, to a, a, a running technology website or something like that, mm -hmm. a, a cooperative type of relationship. Um, and it's really important okay. if you have CoReg coming in, and it's not a tactic it's a tactic we recommend, uh, but it's one that needs to be handled very carefully because those folks, even though they're, they're technically receiving your house emails, they weren't on your site saying, yes, send me your email. Uh, mm -hmm. They were somewhere else that may, may or may not have been well associated with you.
Um, and I'm not sure if this is a fair question uh, for you, but um, you know, there really is clearly so much kind of backroom data mining, for lack of a better term, you know, and 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 uh, partitioning and. Uh, Profiling and 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 so forth. Um, what are your thoughts, kind of, on the advances there? I mean, I mean, you can certainly kind of come up with almost unlimited data points. You know, some of the combat decisions that have to be made. I mean, in a perfect world, we're all trying to kind of, you know, increasingly customize uh, and boost the relevance of each communication and enjoy that feedback loop. That you know, the more targeted the communication gets downstream, you know, the better the response becomes upstream, and it becomes this wonderfully, increasingly intimate relationship between brands and their customers and prospects. Um, what's happening in the back room in, the, in that kind of data mining world, and is it experiencing advances or it's still an uphill uh, slug? Well, the, the, on the technology side, there have been incredible advances. I mean, the, the technology that exists for that kind of, of back-end data mining and associating it with delivered content is, is far and away more advanced even than, than we need, I would say. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because when I when I'm out there talking to marketers, you know, the the problem is not that the technology hasn't reached what they want to be doing with email. It's that they haven't reached what technology is capable of. Um, I think the the real advances if over the next few years aren't going to be in new applications of, of data mining technology, um, but in people using them. Um, you know, it, and perhaps therefore on the the interface level where it becomes uh, you know relatively easy to do these things. Um, you know, remember, this is an industry where many people don't do so much as segment their campaigns. Yeah. Uh, you know, between say customers versus prospects. You know, the majority of marketers aren't doing the most basic things that don't require, uh, you know, sort of the the kinds of data mining that are are being done certainly by by some database companies, but uh, are, are well beyond what most marketers are doing. Uh, you know, if you if you were looking for a place to start, I, I probably wouldn't start there because most marketers have some more basic hurdles to uh, to get over. Which is a great segue for my next question. What do you think they should be doing? What are some tips, top tips, uh, sage advice, um, best practices you might recommend or um, are out there that you could kind of, you know, wrap a pink bow around for us? Sure. Um, well, I would, I would start with segmentation. Um, as I mentioned just a second ago, the, yeah. the place to start is with delivering at least somewhat uh, relevant content by the, the type of, of people who are receiving your emails. Place to start is customers versus prospects. Um, obviously, that makes more sense in the business-to-business or the lead gen world um, than, uh, than the consumer side. Um, if, if at all possible, and this does get into the data side, is those user details. And I think Jeannie spoke about that, so I'm not going to beat that one with a stick. But you know, the more you can associate the content with things that they've told you, the better. Um, and one of the ways to do that that is somewhat simpler than, uh, than mining what they've done is to ask them. Uh, preference centers are something that are, can be very simple. They, uh, they can usually occur when someone's signing up for the email, but they, they don't necessarily need to do so right at the sign-up experience. It can happen further downstream as your relationship matures. But a preference center is simply a series of questions. Uh, you know, I'd recommend starting with only a few. Uh, a few questions that lets them self-select what kinds of things they want to get or tell you a little bit about themselves. Um, newsletters, you know, if, if I were going to spend some money on email, one of the first things I'd look at is whether outsourcing the writing of your newsletter makes sense. Uh, 
you know, a lot of companies have been doing email for a long time. It's part of the marketing communications director's job very often. Uh, they've been writing the same newsletter for many years now. Uh, it is a relatively small expense to bring in uh, some professional writing talent who can bring a, a fresh and uh, a fresh view and, and really take a look at that same content with a fresh eye. Having somebody from the outside can make an immense difference. And another tool that you can use to inform those product specials and newsletter articles, the content, is using the internal search results that you're getting from you know, Website Story or A9 or whomever does that internal search for you. Very simple to go and look at that report and see you know, what's, what are people looking for once they get inside the site uh, that can inform the kinds of articles that I'm writing. Uh, you, know, you can see what people are interested in in the moment. Uh, when it comes to deliverability, uh, you know, I think it's, it's fairly inexpensive to outsource deliverability as separate from uh, having an email service provider. There are a number of deliverability specialists. Uh, if that's not something that's within your budget, uh, I would recommend that everyone set up simple test groups to do it themselves. Uh, this makes a lot more sense on the consumer side because we can't get behind, you know, we can't simulate firewalls all that well. Uh, but it makes a big difference simply to set up seed accounts at Yahoo, Google, uh, MSN, et cetera. Check and see whether the email you just designed is getting through. Uh, you know, and, uh, and make sure you look in Outlook. Uh, one of the things that uh, I see all the time is you know, these professional uh, marketing newsletters that get filtered not by the ISP but by Outlook itself, the most basic deliverability test. Um, when it comes to improving conversions, I'd say that the easiest place to start is with the landing page. Um, make sure that you've got different landing pages for each one of those campaigns. And even if it's a combined uh, search and email campaign, we've seen a big difference between the way people respond to landing pages that are customized for the email recipients versus those less differentiated uh, folks that are coming in via search. That's a great place to invest. It's cheap but highly effective. We did research last year, I think, into uh, landing page optimization and saw something like a, an average of 40% uh, increase in conversion over the process of a, you know, testing and tweaking a landing page. You know, it's very tactical and on the, on the rubber meets the road sort of ter terrain, but it's really, it really has a tremendous ability to make a difference. Excellent stuff. And unfortunately, we're out of time. I mean, this is uh, very valuable stuff. And obviously, you know, yet another reason to go to AdTech New York uh, <laughs> next month and, uh, among others, catch your panel on this. Obviously, um, you guys are in a great position. And uh, just as uh, this interview has demonstrated, can get very granular about some of this valuable stuff. So uh, thanks again for being on the program. My pleasure. I hope it wasn't too granular. No, it was very good. I look forward to seeing you there in uh, New York. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Take care, man. Yeah, bye. That uh, takes care of our show today. I'd like to thank our guests all for joining us and, of course, our producer, Mark Winter, at webmasterradio.fm for making all of this happen every week for us uh, here at AdTech. Remember, you can still register for AdTech New York uh, if you haven't done so already by going to the AdTech website. I'll also be there moderating a panel on TV 2.0 featuring speakers from AOL, Google, YouTube, The Platform, and Ultramercial. On behalf of everyone at AdTech and DMG World Media, thanks for logging in and have a great day.